three, two, one. In any real city, you walk, you brush past people, and people bump into you. In L.A., nobody touches you. We're always behind this metal and glass. I think we miss that touch so much that we crash into each other just so we can feel something. That was a quote from The Boss Baby 2. This time it's personal. Um, I'm Adam from Your Movie Sex. This is Sardonicast. Hello. I'm uh, Alex from I Hate Everything, and thanks for reminding me of that quote. Thanks for reminding me of that movie. It opened. I well, guess it's my <laughs> fault that we have to talk about it. But. Thanks for reminding you of the movie you recommended for this episode. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just oof. here's my favorite quote from the movie. Um, oh, r- racism is bad. That's my quote. <laughs> it's a good quote. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. I remember when they looked at the camera and said that <laughs> every character at the same time. <laughs> that was One of the millions of millions of characters. Damn. That would have saved it. That would have saved it. Just a dozen you, people looking into the camera at the same time saying, racism is bad. <laughs> like all in unison. I think that would have saved the movie. That's um, basically what it was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good movie. So before we get too distracted on that, um yeah sorry stay focused we watched another film also oh also fucking happy uh 25th of december everybody which is when this episode's public i guess and happy before that for our patrons and uh uh members happy holidays of whatever the fuck you probably think about them happy 25th yeah we kind of goofed it up because happy day I was anticipating like, oh yeah, I'll recommend a, a Christmas movie for the Christmas episode, and then I was like, oh shit, I guess, I guess my recommendation is on Christmas, and then it, the episode's coming out two weeks after that. Yeah, we it's up. vaguely festive. We can leave it at that. Yes, and yeah, I actually have the Christmas wreck, and it, it kind of worked out a little bit, <laughs> sort of un- unintentionally, but <laughs> we can get into that crash later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, When Evil Lurks is a film that uh, mm. apparently we could have saw at TIFF, but we missed because I, th- I guess we didn't know about it. I think when I was looking through uh, the list of films, I think the fact that it was a premiere and it didn't like have any, um, you know, it didn't have any like reception or award wins or anything from anything it doesn't have any big names attached either like i don't i'm not familiar with this director or writer or any of the actors in it his previous film terrified is in my watch list but it doesn't have like great ratings and there's like from what i've heard about it it's really mixed like some people hate it and i was like okay it's still in my watch list so there was some sort of like oh this is a movie that might be notable, but, you know, to make room for other things, I didn't. I think I was going to actually look at when exactly it was playing and see what fucking movies we would have had to have missed because we we saw a lot of great movies at the festival, so uh, I don't Mm -hmm. know what we would have cut out to see this. True. Certainly certainly wouldn't have wanted to miss Agro Drift. No, not again. Please. Why not? (laughs) (laughs) When's the 4K Blu-ray? No more Drift. All right. No, uh, that would be on VHS only. It's the only way to watch it. Yeah, my, I mean that would that would sell. They they do a lot of uh, 
There's a lot of like special VHS releases now. Skinamarink got one. Um, A24 released oh, really? a VHS for Climax, and they only released like fucking 100 copies, so they were all gone before I knew about it, and I'm pissed. But whatever. Oh, wow, yeah. It's like in the music space, just like tapes are kind of trendy. That's a weird in one. In certain spaces now, I'm coming back. I don't know how I feel about that. I, I get records, but I don't yeah. know about tapes. I got bad memories associated with tapes. Man. Vinyls have always made sense because it's the best and most physical, like highest quality sounding way you can listen to your music, really. Yeah. Like there's a there's a practical purpose to it you get nice little like album covers that are like big pictures you can hang up even if you want you know like we just had to make do with tapes we didn't know better yeah at that point but we know better now so going back just seems antithetical to me so i guess that's the point um this is a film from argentina Mm. i think yeah, there we go, Argentina. And that's it. Everybody, have a good night. <laughs> <laughs> that's our review. I you're I, the well, movie. now that I don't know how to re- make reviews now that people are calling out plagiarism, I just read other people's reviews before. Mm, I don't know what to this say. Is really open. Wait, maybe I can just read the Wikipedia. Like, <laughs> <Okay. laughs> <laughs> isn't it fucking crazy how many people are just outed for just like, like what are the fu- you're. What's the point of making videos? You're just reading, like, even if you, even if what you're reading is just the plot synopsis, it's like, okay, well, you're kind of just exposing how much of your video is just reciting the plot and then saying, I liked it. Fuck off. Everybody's pissing me off. This has always been, like, overt with channels like, uh, you know, those top 10 channels and whatnot, like Watch Mojo and stuff like that. They feel like, you know, just a, a list website being read off. But there's more of like an abstraction when it's these personality-led channels and reviewers who are claiming to be giving their own opinions, and then it it turns out to be like not even a very well hidden, <laughs> almost yeah. word for word, some in some cases straight up word for word retelling of other people's work. And it's like you could you could just reference it. You could you could just straight up say in the video, "Hey, I, I like this imp- this interpretation from this source or whatever." Yeah, why not? Part of the it's like what. But then it's not, yeah, it's, it's very not, weird. then, I mean, the people doing it, it's like, it's not just a small portion. It's like, they're just lifting the entire thing. And so they want to hide the fact that they're doing that because otherwise it just makes it seem like they didn't do anything, which is why they're able to pump out content so frequently. Well, yeah, hopefully it just gets more people talking about the, uh, almost like sweatshop nature of a lot of channels that a lot of people don't even the think content about. Grind, yeah. They're like they're teams of people just like these like writers being underpaid to put these videos together yeah. and just make them as quickly as possible where there's someone at the top kind of sucking up all the all the real earnings from it. It's, I couldn't imagine not yeah, writing my own shit. Like what's the fucking point of the channel? What's the point like if what I thought what I'm selling is my perspective. Like outsourcing the editing yeah, sure like if you either. can do it in a way where like where I like it then great you know let's outsource some of the editing so i'm not hurting myself as much yeah that's really shifted now though like i don't know about how when you get emails from various companies and whatnot but i'm usually addressed by like the ihe team mm-hmm. yeah, or whatever yeah. it's never normally assumed <laughs> it's an individual it's that's normally true. assumed at this point that there's a team um and it's kind of there's something kind of saddening about that because it is like yeah everyone's kind of realized they can 
star man their way to the top, you know? True. Just make a content machine, a farm out of all this. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. I'm I'm actually kind of pissed about it because, like, part of the reason why I overwork myself is, like, comparison to other channels and being like, wow, they just pump out a lot of shit. Like, what am I doing? I'm, I'm like, trying to compete. Yeah. In this, not compete as in, like, dominate them or anything, but, you know, like, have, have you know, m- make a decent amount of money or something or m- make stay in the algorithm and not like just mm-hmm. get drowned out by other people well yeah Com- well, comparison is a killer of joy um yeah and it's like it's really unsustainable if you want to you could do that if you wanted to have like a full team of uh people grinding out content for you it's all about weighing that up but i don't know i don't like it i'm old man yells at cloud about this i guess yeah at the google cloud Oh God! It's, we can't escape Old it. Old man yells at storage, <laughs> oh, cloud storage. Uh, when evil lurks, I was very pleasantly surprised by this movie. I don't know how you felt about it. I was, I was surprised in the right too. Mood. I was in the right mood, and I was experiencing the right emotions. Uh, this is a very like kind of nightmare logic movie in a way. I think that it hits mm-hmm. what. It, it it is perfect for what it is going for in the sense that there's a lot of movies where I get confused and I get pissed off because of my, me being confused. This is one where I'm like, okay, I'm confused, but it works, and the the characters are mm-hmm. confused too, and you know, I I was feeling vibes of like, it comes at night, and the Last of Us TV show. A lot of the music uh, was you know similar enough it, without it feeling mm. like a ripoff or anything. Um, but like some of the energy hereditary, I felt, um, yeah, I was getting some silent hill vibes as well. Resident evil a little bit. Honestly, I would love to see this director, you know, tackle an IP or something, but yeah, well, it's probably the most, the best way for them to get a, another job in the space. Yeah. Like a Disney will probably just swoop them up and <laughs> get them to do some comatose project. But, uh, yeah, I was right there with you. Uh, I, I liked the, I don't want to call it a bottle movie, but it's more like the whole town is like a bottle. Yeah. Um, it felt very kind of contained and claustrophobic and I like the kind of world building horror elements. Like that's always such a game with these, these horror properties in particular. It's like, how much are you going to explain? How much are you going to revel in like the lore of this? And are you going to go full like the ring and try and explain it, this to like to the very end, where you're going to keep elements of this more of a mystery, like something like the mist, and yeah, leave that kind of existential horror alive. And having that, that the crux being this idea of the a rotten, they call it or whatever. Mm. It's like an unborn demon possessing someone, and they're presented as this like swollen. It looks like a body that's been in water for like weeks. And looks like a boomer. And all this. Like it does look like a boomer from Left 4 Dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, it looks like someone born in the 60s. Yeah, um, looks like our parents. Brexit geezer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought it was like just restrained enough that you get... It plays with the concepts of... Because again, like possession movies are not exactly a new thing in the horror space. And they can... So, some of the best horror and worst horror are both like possession slash ghost yeah. slash demon. I don't even know how to type movies. Categorize this. <laughs> like, I don't know if I. I don't even. When I think possession movie, I don't even like. This doesn't even feel like one, even though it's like, yeah, I guess there's possession in it. It's it's a very. Um, it feels both simultaneously contained and small scale, but also large scale, like and ambitious at the same time. It's it's so weird how it it manages to feel like these, I guess, almost contradictory 
ways simultaneously. Yeah. Um, and it's doing a bunch of different genres at once, too. Like, kind of zombie, kind of ghosts, kind of, you know, like, uh, apocalyptic, like, end of the world-ish kind of, you know, yeah. like... I was getting vibes of like Southbound at one point in time, which is just literally an anthology mm-hmm. horror film that um, producers of the, the VHS franchise did that I enjoyed. It's not incredible, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking of VHS a little bit. Yeah. I like this probably more than any of those VHS shorts, though. It's way more cohesive yeah. as a single story. And despite everything being so, <laughs> I guess, kind of seemingly random or made up or, or like, you know, just the film decides whatever rules apply at any given moment in time, I guess. It's interesting because there are certain characters in the film that seem to have like a clear idea <laughs> of what these rules are. And that, you know, there's other characters that just need those things explained to them. Like, no, don't shoot. You have to kill it with an axe. Otherwise, we'll be uh, <laughs> like possessed or something. Like, I don't. It's confusing as fuck. But I, I think that that adds to the horror nature of it. Um, it feels way less manipulative than something like, uh, what's that fucking movie called? The Qu- A Quiet Place, where that movie, oh that movie has more consistent rules, but in any given scene, the goal of the scene is just like, oh, how do we make these characters in a situation where it's going to be tough for them to be quiet and they got to be quiet, otherwise they're going to get killed. You know, and it's just like the most repetitive, manipulative, like no characters are characters, they're all just props, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Whereas this, it's like, okay, this makes a lot less sense, but I believe the characters more. I feel respected more by the script and the sequence of events and how things happen. Um, I don't feel babied, you know, I <laughs> watching the movie, which is unfortunately something I feel a lot of the time watching horror movies. Like it feels like there's actual consequences and stakes and it, yeah, it's a conf- confusing mess, but it, I like the mess. The, me- it, the fact that it is a mess is, is part of the charm. Yeah. To it. It, it, it stays chaotic. And I yeah, guess that's the idea word. with these lead two characters where that, Yeah it's presented in the chaotic way it would be to someone who's just kind of stumbled into this mess and they're trying to get out of it. And yeah, I do agree with the the way these rules, while I guess, I guess not founded in any logic, the way it is kind of woven into that chaos does kind of, it definitely helps with like the tension and the certain building fears of you as an audience member remembering details like someone says that, yeah, one of the signs of knowing the uh, the the possessed rotten thing is taken over your town is that animals are going to start to go mad or act strange. Mm-hmm. And there are a few scenes that kind of escalate with that, with the goat and the whole <laughs> shotgun thing. Yeah. <laughs> spoiler discussion, everybody, by the way. We are spoiling the yeah, whole movie. Yeah, full spoiler. If you want to watch it, I know it's not like a super popular movie, so if this sounds good, I think it's on Shudder. Shudder produced it, which is a horror streaming service. Yeah. So yeah, watch it, come back to the podcast or whatever. Watch a horror movie on Christmas. Why not? <laughs> yeah, I would. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, 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 it, it commits to the bit fully. Like it doesn't hold back. And I was thinking of you as soon as it gets to the the dog yeah. scene. <laughs> it's normally like it. We we joke, but it is kind of an indicator for a lot of these horror movies. Like, are you gonna have the balls to have child characters yeah. actually? 
Implication is this a real way, movie like, or uh, is this hereditary? a baby movie? Is the, really the just that's <laughs> yeah, exactly. the question. And I wasn't even I wasn't even upset at the whole like weird like oh sh- she seems to be like okay and she doesn't even have any like bite marks but she's like possessed I guess and like all of that after the fact um, I wasn't even bothered by you know not seeing like like her fucking head being ripped off or something because what they were showing mm-hmm. in that moment of violence which lasted quite a lot longer than a moment. It was like a minute of her just being fucking dragged around by her neck. I was like, this is fucking awesome. <laughs> like this, like, <laughs> and it, and it, I know that these things upset some people, but why would you want to watch a horror movie and not point. be upset by what you're saying? Like, are you, why do you, why do you want to see like a tamed down version? Like, what's the point? <laughs> why are you watching it? Right, like f- show, yeah, show it's me supposed brutal to be exploring shit. like fear yeah. and terror and yeah. Just paranoia. Go watch the yeah. boss baby. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't want to see a child die in a horror movie. It's a fictional child. Adults' lives are worth more to you. Like, what, <laughs> what are you talking about? Get out of your caveman brain. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, sorry. All right, I'll stop raining. So there were, mo- there were multiple <laughs> scenes like that where I was kind of like, "Oh, you you haven't cut yet. You're like, you're lingering on this. You're yeah. letting us revel in this this misery. I, I'm liking this. This is brutal. This is intense. And yeah, the the way they build it up, especially like with that tension and real focus on this soundscape of like really uncomfortable sound editing mm-hmm. um, that definitely like helps build to those mic drop moments, like the dog attack or whatever. There's normally some kind of stressful circle of sounds being edited around. Uh, with that kind of chaos that's happening with people screaming at each other and yeah, just these sounds being repeated and it's, yeah, this quite an oppressive movie, like audio and visually. Mm-hmm. To be honest. I, yeah, yeah it's I, like quite overwhelming. The, the entire filmmaking aspect of this, like the, all of the, the elements coming together to give us the audio and the visuals, even the performances, it's a really well-made movie in all of, those (laughs) senses right Mm -hmm. it's a it's a there's a lot of talent going into creating this film there's some really great shots really great choices for shots and how shots are presented the framing or there's some oneers or you know some overhead drone angles that worked really well in certain contexts yeah lighting is great um the practical effects like the gore um which there's obviously some CG here and there in, you know, placed in some of these effects. But for the most part, it worked really, really well. I think there's like two shots I can think of where I'm like, eh, I don't know if that one worked out the way you wanted it to. Um, I didn't look up the budget, but I heard it's like really low. So I'm going to look that up right now. That's um, where I was yeah, putting a pin in on that those visual effects because i agree with all the all the practical stuff i love like the old lady being dragged around by the kids and the hammer a brutal moment or uh yeah some of the other like the the boomer the rotten thing uh all the ooze and the pus and the when that's eventually beaten to death how how that was achieved but yeah the like self-mutilation with the axe and just some shots like when they're riding around in the car and whatnot did look a little bit budget to me Mm-hmm. Um, which did pull me out a, cu- a couple of those moments, especially the self mutilation thing with the with the axe, because that's that was that's, funny. That's a fun moment with the goat. Um, yeah, 
and it's like building up to something. It's like clearly, yeah, here's the crescendo, and then, and then it's like a little bit goofy with how some of the visuals yeah. come together. Yeah, I, I yeah. was, I was still successfully enjoying that because I was shocked and caught off guard in terms of like what was happening, and I do like that it didn't hold back in terms of showing it in its brutality. Um, but this is one of those things where it's like, what is this? This like this director's like second film or something? Let's see. It's not his second film. He's made like a handful. He's made like five or something. Um, okay. But from what I can tell, and I can't really find this information. I wish I could. From what I can tell, he's not working with like a super high budget. That's my understanding. Maybe I could be wrong, but I'll have to find this information somewhere. Somebody leave a comment if you if you know where this uh, the source would be for that or why I would hear that it's super low budget. Anyway... I think for the most part it works together and just seeing these tiny little imperfections, I'm still not bothered by it because this isn't a movie that takes itself so super seriously and it's not a movie that I'm watching in the most literal of senses in terms of like a character's story from point A to point B, right? I believe the performances and I believe what these characters are um, experiencing in the context of any given scene. But when weird things happen that kind of take me out of the movie, I'm still like, oh, that's kind of silly or dumb. But I'm not like being taken out of the movie doesn't feel like such a betrayal of my experience because a lot of my experience watching this is just me thinking about it as a movie. I'm not it's 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 in this weird zone of being able to enjoy it completely unironically, but also with elements of this kind of ironic enjoyment in it as well. Like if something's goofy, I'm just like still there along with it for the ride being like, hell yeah, this is a goofy fucking movie. Like I'm still just kind of loving what I'm seeing. So it does have kind of a, mm. an armor <laughs> in that sense from me. Uh, certain things might've bothered. Yeah, I can, I can get that. Film. Cause that, that, yeah, it wasn't really like the character's, plight or any like arcs that they were going through anything like this is really not that kind of movie it's much more about that oppressive atmosphere and mm -hmm. kind of self-inserting yourself into the idea of stumbling into a situation this dire and the the mistakes they make and yeah. just how quickly it crumbles and it's just something i like about the horror genre is it's it's like one of the only places where audiences generally are quite okay with like miserable endings and mm. <laughs> the whole purpose of the story just being yeah there's there's not going to be anything really <laughs> good comes from this this is going <laughs> to end in a place a lot worse than where it begins and i think that's like a fun thing to explore and i, I do like yeah the way it wraps up and just the idea of this this, this like parasitic entity this this demonic force overtaking a town and how that looks locked to the these two characters perspectives i thought that's that's cool and cleverly explored with especially considering that kind of smaller budget and the scrappiness that has to come from that um but yeah i think i was just pulled out of the experience a little bit more by some of that those uh lower visual effect kind of shots like when the axe like goes into the guy's head and he becomes a cg monster for a few frames like i don't know if that bothers me more than most but mm -hmm. yeah especially when i'm thinking about oh this is clearly inspired by the witch here or a little bit of hereditary there 
And there's a little never bit, really a little one of those films where I, yeah, where there's just not, it's not something that comes into my mind in my absolute favorite horror movies or even like a dead alive type thing. Uh, yeah. The tone is just more consistent and something like that, a bit more self-aware. Well, here's the, here's the thing. So this director, sure, he's made a few movies beforehand. Now we can safely say, hopefully, ideally, that he is at least on the radar of, you know, people that would be able to give him more of uh, like a budget or more uh, infrastructure to make his next project. Like, yeah, maybe his next movie will be like an American production. You never know. Maybe his next movie will just be something that, um, you know, is like produced by neon or a24 or you never know i i i would like to see the same director tackle something bigger um Mm -hmm. yeah agreed yeah i'm i'm kind of forgiving little bits and pieces of this movie just under the impression that it's you know he's still kind of like up and coming and um there's so much there that i'm like there's 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 definitely there's definitely something here there's there's so much talent Mm -hmm. going into this film that I I have cautious optimism that he could do something really great, and I mean this movie is great. It, I I think it's great. So yeah, I think given those caveats, it is a very impressive outing mm-hmm. um, in this space. And yeah, there are just so many pitfalls that it manages to avoid, and it keeps that intensity for most of the time. Maybe maybe I would have liked to see five to ten minutes shaved off a little bit. Um, sure. But it is, for the most part, pretty pretty concise and just explores its uh, conceit about as far as you'd want to want to see. You know? Yeah, I, I I mean, pacing wise for me, I was not having an issue at all. Um, I did pee at one point, <laughs> like an hour through. I felt like, oh, you know, I could probably pee now. There was like a scene where I felt like I could get away with it. So, um, but uh, otherwise, pace. You know, it's. It felt so exciting, and the settings were not stagnant. It was constantly moving from one place to another, and I love that type of energy. Um, that's in a lot of you know apocalyptic zombie movies or anything. It's like, oh no, we gotta go here, go here. Like the first thirty minutes of like any zombie movie <laughs> is always so yeah. much fun or like yeah. Snyder's Dawn of the Dead or something like I love that type of energy and it felt like this film had that type of energy for a huge chunk of it and even when it when it departed from that type of energy you know Snyder's Dawn of the Dead winds up getting a little like oh okay now you're just in a mall and blah, blah, blah. like it the 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 energy doesn't stay consistent throughout the entire film same with 28 days later this, I like what it turned into. It wound up turning into more like Silent Hill, Jacob's Ladder, like Session 9 sort mm-hmm. of thing, where, sure, it's not the same energy as, as the beginning of the film, but it, like the what it wound up being replaced with was so suitable for just the second half, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, loved it. I would I would gladly watch this film again. I want to buy a Blu-ray. I hope there yeah, Blu-ray watch again. exists. Yeah, I did like that whole build-up to the uh, the choking on the hair ending and pulling all the stuff out of his mouth and yeah, that, that, that was a good way to 
to wrap up the story. And I said, miserable. Yeah. <laughs> Just him screaming at the sky on his knees. Yeah. <laughs> a nice Christmas jaunt. Yay. Very, very festive. Yeah. It's like, it's like if session nine was good. <laughs> it's this this delivered on pretty much just a lot this delivered on so many things that i like about horror movies and that i never see delivered ever and so i'm just i'm just in a happy ecstatic place about it knowing that oh you can actually have movies that deliver like this so um we'll see what i think on a second watch maybe i'll lower my rating maybe i'll keep it the same maybe i'll raise it i don't know if i'll raise it i think i'm being pretty generous with this already but i love it so uh for now eight out of ten give it an eight i like it a lot yeah I'm, I'm a little bit lower than you i did i did enjoy it for what it's worth i do appreciate that kind of smaller production quality a lot of it just like shot on location in these little towns and the yeah there's like an earnest nature to that uh that scrappiness but um I do think there have been some recent horror films that have actually delivered in ways I wouldn't normally expect, uh, like a talk to me or Bo's Afraid or something like this. And I, I don't think it's quite on that level, but a lot of cool ideas. I definitely want to see more from uh, this filmmaker and I'd probably give this a low seven, three and a half star. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd happily check this out again, but I'm more interested in see what's, what's coming, uh, the potential of what is being played with here. Sweet. I'm looking online for like a Blu-ray. I'm like, there's a bunch on eBay from China, but I'm like, is that real? Or oh, it, really? It's, well, it's one it, of those like, does what, it Shudder fund it as well. Yeah. Oh no. So it might just disappear. <laughs> it might, by the time this goes up, it might have just like disappeared off, off the internet. That's another annoying thing though about the, the budgets never being available. That's happening more and more. Yeah. More, like streaming funded stuff is yeah, why don't so the, It never really used to be that much of a secret. No. Like, but it is now. I don't now. know why they want to just keep these secrets now. They're like, we won't tell you how much it costs or how much we made off of it or how many people watched it. Just all these metrics for success that I feel are kind of important to have in a conversation where we talk about movies, right? <laughs> it's just, it's part of the yeah. conversation. But it, the fact it never used to be an issue, yeah, will seem like something that they felt like they need to hide. Yeah, uh, is it? Yeah, is it just because of the business model being unsustainable, and they feel like it's embarrassing? I don't like, know. I'm just so I'm so confused about it. All right, next time you people strike, just <laughs> to ask for that. <laughs> yeah maybe that's what they're trying to hide is like some of these films come out and they literally get like 5,000 views or something or like 5,000 engagements and they don't want to have to reveal that data for fear of their stock prices going down I, 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 don't know. I have no idea no idea very weird but very annoying because it does really <laughs> it's quite an important point to anchor certain conversations around like it would help when we're talking about Crash for example you know yeah whatever speaking of crash <laughs> yeah so i guess <laughs> this is my christmasy recommendations specifically chosen for his christmas merits i guess crash is the 2004 paul haggis and paul haggis written and directed oscar award-winning how many Oscar? Well, six-time nominated <laughs> three-time winner most controversial Oscar winner of all time, Crash. 
Um, the story is racism is bad. Does that about wrap it up for you? I mean, um, yeah. <laughs> what, like, what? How would you actually like if you if you go to like the Wikipedia for this movie and go to the plot section? It's like just paragraph and paragraph and paragraph and paragraph. Not because it's particularly complicated, but more so that there's like twenty characters and all these different threads, and they're all like interlinking with each other and. It's, it's it's clearly like a, a a concept. There was a concept for this movie, and everything with the writing style is like trying to justify this concept more so than actually like explore characters or true juggle complicated ideas. It just seems in service for this sp spider web like concept of a film. Um, yeah, it's uh, it. Uh... It, it it it's it's like a much worse version of like of one of um in Yaritu's films. I was just kind of yep. watching this being like, damn, I wish I was watching Babel. You know? They talk about racism mm -hmm. in that movie. It's not necessarily even like the main theme, but they handled it better. And a lot of these other multiple storyline films that I love there's usually like three storylines <laughs> and you're able to spend long enough with the characters for it to actually mean something and for you to learn about them and for them to feel like real characters. And so that when they make decisions, you can be like, oh, that's consistent with their character. or Oh, that's interesting that they did that. Um, and that's, you know, you can see like an arc happening or you can see them grow and you can learn more about them. There's none of that in this movie. It just feels like the characters that that get repeated in terms of like, oh, we see them again. It might as well just be fucking like Friedberg Seltzer. Like, oh, I remember Paris Hilton, <laughs> Paris Hilton is. It might as well be this fucking memberberry shit that we see in media all the time now of just like, oh, a reference to a thing that I saw. I remember seeing that. Like, that's what the characters are in this movie, essentially, is like, oh, you see them once, then you see them again. It's like, I remember that guy. They don't feel like the same fucking person, really. Matt Dillon's character, like, what, are they, what yeah. are they even trying to say by him? Like, oh, and then he redeems himself by saving her in the car. It's like, did you know... Did you know that racist, uh, sexual assaulting <laughs> cops are can be good sometimes too? They put their lives on the line for the same people. Even also, his dad's got a pee problem, and that's probably why he's mad. They're like flat caricatures. It's like what? Are, what? Are, I don't know what it's trying to fucking say. <laughs> it's so yeah. boring. Well, it's not just that one character with where that issue was coming up for me where it's like every All single branch and that the whole piece as a whole it's like well what are you trying to say it's kind of this weird like centrist like it's taking both sides each, oh, each yeah. one of these characters is like exploring <laughs> both sides of an argument and then being like well just putting his hands up. It's like it's like a shrug of a movie. It's like, well, here it is. But and this this sucks, right? We all know it sucks, but life goes on. It's like this really annoying, like if you watch this movie, then you're not as guilty as you were before you watched the movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the difference is with something like a Magnolia, which is like a big epic. Like, I know, right? Paul Thomas Anderson, I like big, big branching movie. It has Paul Thomas Thomas Anderson direction and especially dialogue. Uh, that that can really help because yeah, there's a lot of strands going on in Crash and millions of characters and perhaps if the dialogue was quippy or good enough or cleverly written enough, maybe you could get by on how little time each one of these characters is given or anything interesting to flesh them out. Yeah, but it just okay. doesn't. It's it's just it stays a mile wide and inch deep like the whole time. Let's let's follow the complete storyline. 
of just one character. Let's go Sandra Bullock. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right? She... So it starts on her. It starts on her... Complaining about the Asian drivers. Yeah. She has that racist rant. She does a racism. She goes into her SUV, gets carjacked by Ludacris. Ludacris. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> this, this film was a lot funnier than I was expecting. Goes home... To be honest. <laughs> And is like, okay, we need the locks changed, but we have no idea how to do this. <laughs> so they get mm-hmm. the the their workers, the maid, and like I guess her her relative helping out. Uh, and she's like, I don't trust them because they're Mexican, and says it really loudly, complaining to Bl- Brendan Fraser, just in the house where they can hear her. <laughs> and she's like, they're gonna. They're going to sell the keys to their gangbanger buddies. And it's like, in my head, I'm just thinking, like, how's that supposed to work? Like, you keep the keys. Like, are you expecting him to take the key? Like, you can you can just not mm-hmm. give him the key. What are you talking about? <laughs> he changes the lock. You keep the keys. When would he do? When would he copy or sell the keys? He's leaving without the keys. Anyway, <laughs> then he's like, I'm sad. I'll just give you the keys. I wasn't going to do that. I'm a good person. And then she's like, well, whatever. I'm still racist. Then later we see her complaining to the maid, like, these dishes should be put away just for just once. Just put away the dishes. And I'm like, Jesus, Wait, what do you, you even do? Do you, you have a that job? Awesome line. You missed that awesome line from Sandra Bullock where she says, uh, He's going to sell our key to one of his homies. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was awesome. I love that. <laughs> like, I don't know what the fuck she does. His Brendan Fraser explicitly said out loud, I'm the goddamn district attorney of Los Angeles. So we know exactly what he does. <laughs> and yeah. we don't know what she, like, I don't know if she has a job. She seems really lazy. Like, uh, well, okay. I don't know why you have a maid. But anyway, so her story then concludes by just ignoring her for the last hour and a half of the movie and then come back to her and she falls down the stairs. (laughs) She falls down the stairs and then says like, you know, you're my actually my best friend (laughs) to the, to the maid. And I'm like, what? None of this matters because we've seen her like she has five (laughs) minutes of screen time, the entire movie. And it pretends that this is significant and this, like, the entire last, like, 30 or 40 minutes of the movie is all of these, what 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 are appearing to be as payoffs, but without any <laughs> real buildup associated with any of them. We got Terrence Howard being like, I've had it with this, and, like, having his, like, freak out with the police officers is like, okay, I understand that one, you know, because his wife got sexually assaulted. I don't know why he's mm-hmm. doing that still. It just seems, like, crazy and irrational, and I don't know why it needs to be from Ludacris or, what, like... The the ingredients are almost there, but it just doesn't make sense how they presented it. Then we got fucking, oh, I'm actually a family man, uh, Mexican guy, <laughs> Michael Pena or whatever. And he's like, actually, I have a daughter. And then the the Persian guy wants to kill him for for changing his locks because he got broken into, even though everyone around him has told him, actually, it was your door. <laughs> <laughs> and well, yeah, he, t- and he, he told was trying you to get Michael Pena to. <laughs> he was trying to get Pena to change the door because he couldn't fix the locks because the door needed replacing first. 
and then yeah, he got angry at Pena for that. Yeah, and I guess he was refusing to change broken it. Into. He was like, no, no, you don't need to change the door. He's like, yeah, you do. I can change the locks, but it's not going to fix your issue. No, whatever. And then he's not insured properly because the insurance company is like, this is negligence. And then he shoot, tries to shoot him, but the da- daughter who he had, in the only other scene we saw with Michael Pena and his daughter, he tells her like, mm, actually, magic is real and there's an invisible cloak. <laughs> <laughs> so then <laughs> she runs up to him and goes, daddy. And it's like, I'm... I'm having a, a invincible cloak right now. See, and everybody cries, and the music swells, and everybody's like, "Do this fucking crazy crying coom face compilation," <laughs> and then they just don't report the crime, and the Persian guy goes back to, <laughs> to like life as usual, and then it turns well, yeah, out his daughter had blanks, and it's like, "Fucking god, oh my god, I hate this movie. This is so stupid." Yeah, the the whole Christmas miracle angle of it. Uh, I, yeah, just by complete accident, I guess I wound up <laughs> recommending this movie uh, for our Christmas Day discussion. And yeah, that's that's part of it, I guess. Like it's just trying to say something about faith and being <laughs> being uh, fruitful and friendly to each other. It's like it's like a really corny <laughs> presentation that that whole anger that that yeah. whole she was my angel. She came to protect me to protect us like thing like with that little girl that was like that was hilarious i thought it building up to this tragedy (laughs) the little girl being killed was like supposed to be the point of the movie i guess it would probably be saying more with that than however that plays out it's like what so yeah that is when do they explain that it was blanks i don't remember that i thought it was i think that was the implication it wasn't explicitly explained but like the daughter was the one like kind of looking at the ammo or whatever so it's like okay she because she didn't want him to have a gun or something she just wound up giving him blanks and didn't tell him or something i think that was the implication okay like the yeah. the persian guy's daughter yeah 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 wow and th- this almost like uh 28 weeks later where there's this like crazy disconnect with how people talk about this or remember this with how <laughs> watching yeah. the film feels there's a bit of that going on but more so like on a critical perspective i'd say some like pretty respected voices like came out to bat for this film around the time it came out mark commode is a big fan of it um roger ebert, ebert yeah. gave it four out of four stars yeah i read that review it as a movie of intense fascination <laughs> yeah it's, it's a very weird it's, review because i basically it's one of those reviews i i read and i'm like yeah invert everything you're saying and then i agree And also, just 90% of it was him just describing the plot. 90% of his review was just him just saying what happened in the plot. It's such a weird, pervasive problem. I'm like, fuck, this is just what reviews have been forever, and I didn't even notice. Yeah. This this quote from it, What is wonderful wonderful about Crash is that it tells not simple-minded parables, but textured human stories based on paradoxes. No. It's just like, I just just really don't agree with that because I found each one of these threads to be completely bare and extremely simple. Like, yeah, you can take any one of these threads and be like, okay, what what actually were they trying to say with that angel uh, Christmas miracle little girl thing? That, That racism is bad and that because he had tattoos and was being judged as if he was a criminal, then then that's bad. 
So, well, okay, well done. <laughs> That's like, it's not like a new observation. It's not a yeah. new way to put it on a character or you explore this. It's just like... You shouldn't judge people if they look like they're criminals, right? You can't just be like, okay, this guy has tattoos because it's actually people are family people, except Ludacris, <laughs> who actually has a gun and will rob you and steal your car even though he was complaining about being stereotyped. <laughs> yeah. I, that's, and, that and was the, a weird fucking reveal. I'm like, wow, what? Like, is this supposed to be cool? Like, what are you saying? The ludicrous thing was very weird because <laughs> he kind of has like a redemption arc as well because he's he steals kind the van of. or whatever. <laughs> yeah. He runs over the, the Asian guy, but then he oh, yeah. winds up, <laughs> he steals like a van that's like full of child slaves. Yeah. And he like, He's like, I could profit 500 bucks off each of you guys, but you know what? Because I'm such a good guy, I'm going to go let you free in Chinatown with a smile on his face. <laughs> also never acknowledges where his friend went. Like, he's just, he, yeah. he is completely <laughs> unaware that his friend is, like, murdered right now. Dead, yeah. Yeah, yeah but yeah. it tries to have a happy ending, and he's like, just does that little smirk at the camera, like, yeah. <laughs> And meanwhile, like, hilarious. like fucking this movie about racism, like the Asians in this movie are kind of unredeemed. <laughs> it's like actually, you were the villains the whole time. <laughs> was basically <laughs> what it was saying. Like, oh, the yeah, Asians, they didn't get redemption. You, th you thought that they didn't deserve the racism at the beginning. You thought that they were innocent. No, nope. <laughs> they're human traffickers. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's such a weird reveal. Why is it? Why, it's like, all, God just sprinkle that in at the end. Everything in this movie is just so confusing in terms of like why you would want that in your movie. Because the premise <laughs> the premise is just racism is bad. Like it's, a, it's on paper supposedly an anti-racist movie. It feels more racist than anti-racist. <laughs> the, the film as it is feels way more racist than anti-racist. Yeah. Yeah, because it's boiling everyone down into these like really trite observations. No, yeah. no one sounds like a real person. No one feels like a real person. Yeah, and then half the of the results is like actually these stereotypes are true. <laughs> these are, these yeah. ones are true, actually. <laughs> like that's that's half of the movie. That's what's that's what's so frustrating about like the way the it concludes. It does just feel like it's putting its hands up. Like yeah, racism's here to stay. I guess. Yeah. What are you gonna do about it? <laughs> <laughs> but Christmas. <laughs> What if? But the, we're, we're talking about a film there where the the director himself has been quoted as saying, <laughs> "Was Crash the best film of the year?" Is the question. I don't think so. There were great films that year. It's what he said about his own. That's film. fucking hilarious. And the way the way he justifies it though is he says, "So I guess that's what they voted for. Something that really touched them." And I'm very proud of the fact that Crash that seems like Crash it. does touch you. <laughs> People still come up to me more than any of my other films and say, that film just changed my life. I've heard that dozens and dozens and dozens of times. <laughs> so it did its job there, I guess. I mean, I knew it was the social experiment that I wanted, so I think it's a really good social experiment. Is it a great film? I don't know. <laughs> not even the not even so, not the best. He doesn't even know if it's a great movie. He's like, yeah. He's like actually, but to yeah. call it a social experiment, funny. That's so it's funny. Like, yeah. uh, Ahead of his time, it's like a dar man. Like it really, it really fucking. is just a dar man video. <laughs> a really long dar man video. <laughs> With like the the moral conclusions are just as fucking weird and confusing. <laughs> Heavy-handed. Yeah, they might shit. as well have have fucking gigantic <laughs> subtitles at the bottom.
<laughs> Just incorrect subtitles. Yeah, this uh so fucking confusing and just all-star cast. <laughs> everybody everybody's agent wanted them to be in it. This is just Yeah, everyone believed in this. So I wonder when this started production cuz he might have had a nomination for Million Dollar Baby like right before this. But I don't know how quick the production was on this. They were yeah, they were made very close to each other. Yeah. And, uh, I don't remember Million Dollar Baby being this level. I, I, I remember that liking that movie a lot. Yeah, yeah. I think um, perhaps what it's dealing with is a bit more focused. It's not like millions of characters jumping around. It's just focused yeah. on a few. Um, so maybe it's that. But I think just from a from a, a base level, it's just a horrible idea. And like even going to if you go to like the development section on this movie, there's <laughs> there's a quote from him talking about. He later stated that he wrote Crash not simply to criticize racists, but to bust liberals for the idea <laughs> that the United States had become a post-racial society. <laughs> this guy's Canadian which also, like... which is fun. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a, wow, a, a Canadian dude <laughs> talking about, this is set in Los Angeles, criticizing yeah. American racial structures in los angeles <laughs> yeah while <laughs> making awesome. like the v most fucking racist stereotypes imaginable in your film like he really does seem like kind of like outsider <laughs> trying to trying to give his two cents here and i, I guess everybody just kind of fucking ate it up it really does feel like you know this winning best picture was just everybody simultaneously saying like yeah we're sorry. <laughs> we deserve this. <laughs> like we, we're acknowledging our transgressions. Uh, well, there are theories that, of course, this was Brokeback Mountain year, um, and actually Capote year as well. Yes, uh, both both losing out to this with the the more Brokeback Mountain being the controversial best picture mm -hmm. loser to this. Um, that's kind of the big drama here. And so, yeah, everyone, including the director of the film, agrees, basically. Um, just just shocking. And I guess, what is the theory that... Because Capote and Brokeback both have, like, gay characters and a gay emphasis that Crash is just safer, less controversial, less... It's just an easy well, Oscar win, Oscar pick, isn't it? It's 2004. You want to end racism, but keep homophobia going a little, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. You're fine with that what, for yeah, a bit longer. Marriage wasn't legal. You want to just make sure. Yeah. You want to make sure we hang on to homophobia for a bit longer. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be an Imagine yeah, Crash, but it's about homophobia. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's gay, or <laughs> or not. It's like. <sighs> It's 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 trying to do everything. It's it's trying to do what five seasons of The Wire do in <laughs> under two hours. You know? It's, yeah. That is funny. It's trying to like break down every socio political concept, race relations, affirmative action, sexual violence, <laughs> police brutality, <laughs> gang violence, it reform. It's like, oh my god, what are you what are you trying to say with this? It doesn't spend enough time on anything. To, in order for anything to no. mean anything or be significant. Like, what the fuck was Brendan Fraser's story? What did he do? <laughs> like, what was the, did he have an he arc? He didn't have one. 
he was pretty much only there because I think he he was one of the main reasons the film got made. Him agreeing to be in it because that's how much of a pull Brendan nice. had around this time. Um, because yeah, what six million dollar budget, pretty low. I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure the director had to remortgage his house like three times in order to get this made, and it yeah. was a huge, huge success as far as what it brought into the box office. Nearly nearly a hundred million off that that six million budget, which is absolutely nuts. I guess audiences love. <laughs> Love this. Um, yeah. Premiered at TIFF. <laughs> yeah, I wonder, like, if if I would have been swept into it being a... If I was there at that premiere with everyone losing it, a bit of a more <laughs> simplistic understanding of some of these things. Yeah, well, so... What, did, did you watch it when you were younger or no? I had a hilarious memory, actually, mm-hmm. to do with this, where I was only, like, 10 when this came out, but I'm pretty sure I went into, like, the living room. My mum was watching it. And it was the like little girl angel <laughs> scene, and I remember thinking it was dumb <laughs> as a ten year old, and I just never thought about it again. That's great. I had this weird deja vu when watching it, but outside of that, nah, not seen it. Yeah. So I like whenever I rated it on my IMDb account for the first time. So who knows? I could have been like fifteen or some shit. Like I, <laughs> this is an ancient IMDb yeah. account. Um, I gave it like a five out of ten, and I remember, I do vividly remember feeling what the intended emotions at certain snippets of the movie like i do feel like uh and and even on this rewatch um maybe it might just be like memory emotion or or like me remembering Mm. how i was feeling at the time but there's certain there's certain there's certain things that do click with me in this film not in the greater context of the movie but completely removed from the rest of it so like the the scene where she is like in the car and like it's fucking lighting on fire and like just that moment of like the you can see the flames behind her you can see her start like freaking out and him being pulled back like Mm -hmm. there's something that feels kind of like desperate in that moment and and i think that the the performance and the visuals and to some extent the music although now retrospectively i really don't like the music at all but um (laughs) it is the least bad in that scene (laughs) And there's there's things about it where it's yeah. just like the the pieces of the production fit together in a way that in that moment I was like okay this works for me, um, but you know now watching it I'm like fuck like why what are you trying to say here and the whole you know <laughs> that, not just what are you trying to say but like none of this makes any sense in terms of like you would just cut the fucking seatbelt immediately no no officer or you know firefighter anybody arriving on onto a scene like this is going to have a little pep talk with her for like five minutes <laughs> while they, while yeah. she's like trying yeah. to get out you're like you just fucking do it get out of there like and no nobody would do that that is un- entirely unrealistic realistic and stupid yeah and and just as is most of the drama in this movie yeah <laughs> and, and like you could have made like individual short films almost out of a lot of these. Like there's no glue holding these stories together other than just like, oh, they walked past each other here. <laughs> like at the end, mm-hmm. like the the woman that we saw earlier, she gets involved in a car crash. It's like, oh, dude, it's her. It's it's literally just <laughs> it feels like reference reward. <laughs> like there's nothing there's no significant purpose towards them being connected. It's just they are connected incidentally and they're everybody's racist and crashing. <laughs> everybody's mm-hmm. racist and crashing. <laughs> Everyone is racist. That's that's the strongest through line. 
Honestly, that's like the strongest thing that's saying. The biggest message that it has to say. Everyone's yeah. a little bit racist. Everyone. And it's like okay, not nice. And but that, half yeah. of the time, your it's, assumptions about people are right. <laughs> and they're doing secret <laughs> human trafficking, yeah. and they will fucking mug you and shit. But it's going back to the Academy Awards. It won or was nominated for, right? Yes. Some of the, some of the things it was nominated for or won are just like shocking. Yes. But the, the biggest confusing one to me is it, it won for best writing, best original screenplay. It actually won that. That's um, crazy. For <laughs> and um, and please re- remind me if there are any no moments of editing that stood out to you. Yes. But the, it won best achievement in film editing. It's crazy, actually. Um, I can explain that one. Like why? Cynically. Why? It's because it's multiple yeah, stories, please. and they're like, "Oh, they did such a good job <laughs> making them all go together." That's probably why it won writing too. Is like I don't know. I don't know if people just forgot about the concept of like multiple stories taking place at one. Like this is it didn't invent this at all, but it just seemed no, like, oh wow, ma- you can have a movie that's popular about racism that does this. I, I don't know what the fuck. It would blew people's minds apparently, but that's my explanation for the film editing. Is just like no, they edited all of them together as if it's not just like oh, this is already in the script that it's. I don't know because <laughs> there's some atrocious editing in this movie. The, the 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 scene where they're um uh comparing rap lyrics to uh like country like lynching songs or whatever and yeah. it keeps cutting back and the, the cuts are so fucking quick that it's incomprehensible mm-hmm. but it's just two people in a car talking to each other and they keep cutting back to this one shot of him uh like ludicrous's friend like i guess like being all up in his face with like a smile and it's this weird like he's looking directly at the camera and it cuts oh, so that quick scene, yeah that scene is oh, awful it's, it's like a genuinely terribly edited scene um <laughs> and so yeah i what, what was it up against like what the what was going on let's see editing it was up against yeah just other normal movies cinderella man constant gardener munich walk the line um no no idea no idea absolutely confusing and another thing that i well i guess before i move on to that i'll mention there's some terrible audio editing and i guess that's technically a different category for the oscars um but there are two points in the film where i very explicitly heard them reusing the same take multiple times one one time it was just three times in a row um when the persian guy i know it's that at least once oh yeah, yeah it's crazy it's crazy it's so blatant the persian guy and the uh mexican guy and the lock being changed or whatever the persian guy's daughter uh comes she says the word dad three times in a row and it's the exact same take they just kept repeating the same take <laughs> dad 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 and i was like what the fuck you're really doing that and they did that <laughs> they, they did that multiple times in the movie like with different takes they like they just d- did that <laughs> and it's so noticeable and they're right next to each other um oh man yeah not great not not great uh putting the film together not great editing not great uh the things that i love about movies are not in this movie <laughs> all of the performances that were that are present in this film all 800 different performances uh matt dillon was picked out and got nominated for best performance by an actor in a supporting role. Mm-hmm. I guess 
I guess he kind of has the most screen time, prob- probably. Of who? Yeah. Who? Um, did anybody the get nominated <laughs> for like the lead? Are they all considered supporting? That's a good question. Like they didn't yeah, want to. They I didn't want to like <laughs> go through the effort of figuring out who the main character was. <laughs> that is a good observation. I can't even. No. Yeah. yeah there's no nominations for lead. There's no. <laughs> Which makes no, sense no because knows. they who who the fuck even knows who the lead is in this movie? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely doesn't have one. But I guess if you had to pick one, it would be him. Just find and, out who yeah, has the most screen already... time. I think that's literally how they calculated his screen time for lead performance and supporting. Oh my god! But that would be a tough one. <laughs> tough one to try and find out. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I he did a good job. I, I my criticisms aren't really with Matt Dillon, I guess. His character was annoying, but the standout worst straight up acting was probably Sandra Bullock for me, as far as like she sucks. There's just no, there's no scene where I'm like buying that this is this character. All I see is just Sandra Bullock. There's a lot of bad performances. Ludacris sucked. Brendan kind of fucking sucked. <laughs> like his everything Brendan Fraser was saying sounded so fucking fake. Like if he was doing a fake voice the whole time. <laughs> it was like he's a little kid trying to sound like an adult. <laughs> it, it seemed like they had him for a few hours and like they were rushing Honestly, through his stuff. That's, that's the vibe I was getting. They filmed that. his scenes in like, like an hour. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> and the same with like Keith David. That was something I did like. I was like, oh, this character's kind of oh, yeah. cool. He's got a gravitas. I like, I like Keith David a lot. But it's like one scene with the whole joke again being... Yep, look, uh, black people can kind of be racist too and endorse these systems as long as they're right. okay. It's like, God, God damn it, man. This is so lame, this repetitive point. They just keep hammering again and I'm, again. I'm kind of... take that cop character too. Yeah. yeah. Ugh. Fucking Don Cheeto, <laughs> his character <laughs> and his resolution at the end. I felt like they... like. There was no nothing that made sense leading up to that being what his character was. So essentially, he he turns out to be the brother of Ludacris's friend who gets shot by the fucking partner of Matt Dillon cop. And so yeah. at the hospital or whatever, uh, John Cheeto's mother is like, you can't pretend to be a part of this family. You were always so busy and you're just blah, 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 blah. And I guess like maybe the point of that was trying to just show like, oh, you know, like some black people, they have really respectable jobs and some of them turn to a life of crime. They can be from the same family and it really just mm-hmm. depends on what you're blah, 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 blah. But I'm like, it felt weird because it it, it felt like earlier they were setting up Terrence Howard's character to to be what would more appropriately be that because they had an entire argument over like, uh, you know, like you're not even that black, uh, to each other, the, the couple, uh, like you haven't mm-hmm. experienced real racism because your skin is actually lighter than most black people. And he was talking about how, you know, the, the, uh, association with him being like a famous movie producer. And like, they had the conversation about, uh, him and the director were saying like, oh no, like he needs to talk more black. And it's like, okay, Mm-hmm. That would make if Terrence Howard's character wound up being the brother of that guy, that would make way more sense 
than Don Cheeto because there's not fucking nothing happened with Don Cheeto the entire movie other than him. Like he had sex with a woman and said that she was white, even though she wasn't over the phone for some reason. Like why? I don't know why you did that. <laughs> and yeah, like what so else happened threats? with his character? Why does it need so many? What else happened with his yeah, character? You get nothing. Nothing. You could have removed it. You could have <laughs> removed his character and just had Terrence Howard experience that instead, maybe. Right? But then you can kind of you can do that with pretty much any of these short stories. Like the the thing that always intrigued me about this movie was seeing that poster with Michael Pena like ah. screaming <laughs> and the little girl. But the when ah. I actually got to that scene, I was like cackling with laughter because that was the, the funniest it's scene. It's like <laughs> it's so corny and goofy the way it comes together and yeah. Nonsense. The, the whole like yeah, the whole miracle angle and all of that. It's just like I can't we're really going there? <laughs> this is like Unearned. Hallmark corny. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's so goofy and corny. It's like, I, yeah, I cannot, I cannot break down any any of what it's trying to say. It's it's so, it's so surface level. It's so. Like, we often talk about these, as normally as to to praise a film this type of writing where there are lots of different characters and they all feel like different characters where this is an example of the inverse where every character just feels like the same writer the writer yeah same the same perspective mr haggis yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they always feel like paul haggis's like observations poorly packaged with like we got to go back to ludicrous for a minute cause like what yeah what why was he like trying yeah. to get into hollywood <laughs> at this time whatever like i guess he's, he's in all those fast and furious movies but there's no there's not like an angle in those movies of like yeah this is the oscar winning or oscar <laughs> no oscar piece uh trying to big up ludicrous project i don't know if that's what he was going for in 2004 but it's a really like funny weird character like to have him freeing the child slaves and stuff and do yeah doing their little smirk it's like tonally very weird and <laughs> clearly not thought through this it's, like it's uh, yeah <laughs> it's like this, this movie <laughs> feels like very... a parody of what you would like it feels like bait to the point of <laughs> did i ever tell you about <laughs> yeah, there's there's the, this is more prominent in the Oscar <laughs> shorts category because I'm not sure they even watch them. Um, mm. But there's there's a movie like every like few years there'll be like just some obvious bait that get like just cynically wins the Oscar anyway. There was one a, a short <laughs> called Skin where it was just like it's the funniest thing ever. If you've never seen Skin the short, <laughs> please watch. It's the funniest fucking thing. It's like probably funnier than Crash. Um, but it, you know every <laughs> really? once in a while you see oh yeah you gotta see it. Um, I'll see if I can find it on YouTube or something. Um, uh, every once in a while, there's something like that where, you know, I'm just watching the Oscars. I'm like, they're going to pick that one. They, 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 they didn't watch it probably. And they're just going to pick it because it's like, oh, racism bad or whatever. And it's just the ob most obvious <laughs> insincere bait ever. This is, this is a film where if this didn't exist and someone made this as a parody, I would say that's unrealistic. That's too far. <laughs> this is a film that like if if this didn't exist i would be like no that's pushing it like i don't i don't th this seems like even too much of bait for the oscars this seems like this seems so insincere and bad that there's no way this would be a best picture winner and yet here we are <laughs> it really just feels like a, an unbelievable parody 
Like you could make. Yeah, I would love to see now. an actual parody of this movie. I, I would was love cringing at the um, <laughs> in the. There's like a Mark Kermode uh, like audio review of him talking about this film, and he ends it by saying, "Yep, I just saw it again, and I just really feel like time is going to be very good to this movie." <laughs> uh, and then smash cuts it's twenty years later, and me bum, watching bum, this, bum. <laughs> and I'm just like, "Ooh, I, I, I was more entertained than I thought I was going to be. I thought this was just going to be kind of boring, bad, but I thought this was so inept in what it was trying to do that it was actually quite funny." Very funny. Just how insane, how melodramatic, how corny, how like over the top, <laughs> stupid, and like there's this there's this like kind of earnest nugget at the very beginning of it that's like it's it's tr it's trying to do something but just failing so mm -hmm. spectacularly with such finesse or lack thereof. That's mm -hmm. like yeah, there is something spectacular about, and then of course ironically funny with how how much has been like jerked off and supported it's it's very weird it's like the <laughs> i don't know is it the film that kind of revealed that oscar veneer a little bit like what the f well like, this what? okay i mean <laughs> yeah there's this 2004 i'm assuming every single academy voter was like a 90 year old white guy anyway <laughs> and it was just like <laughs> You know, we're, we we got to tell everybody how bad we feel. <laughs> this is this is our public apology to the world for being racist <laughs> and also being like pedophiles and Harvey Weinstein and shit. Um, so we're just gonna we're just gonna we have an out, and we're gonna make people think that we're good people or something. I don't know. I mean, like I'm saying that, and sure, like there's people that obviously connected with it, but like, even when you read the Roger Ebert review, he's like, I think people will be better people from seeing this. <laughs> It's it's so embarrassing, this movie and what it brings out of people. Um, yeah, this is a this is a hilarious retrospective, as in just being able to to look at this twenty years later and be like, damn. <laughs> yeah, this honestly, I can't believe I'm saying this, but it makes me want to apologize to Green Book in comparison. It's worse. <laughs> that's that's like well written compared to this. You know? Yeah, Green Book is like a disappointing win. Like, ah, oh, come on, whatever. This is like a formulated, but this is like an actual fucking train wreck. It, like, it is a crash in of itself. <laughs> yeah, you can't look away. Yeah, it's the obvious joke, but it's true. It's very true. Like it, 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 it <laughs> like there's not a single element that holds it up. Like it's not like we haven't really talked much about like the framing or the way it was shot. But it's, it's terribly shot. It's so it's so frantic and up close, especially like, so many close ups on faces, and you never really get get a good feeling of the space you're in. And it's no. supposed to be it's supposed to, I guess, have like a attention to it. A that frantic nature is supposed to make it intense and be like a, a character drama, like this is England or something. This is breaking down the the walls of society and getting in up close. But so no, I just can't tell what's going on, and I'm just I don't need to be seeing everyone's paws all the time. This is <laughs> just claustrophobic <laughs> and distracting and lame. Oh. and the songs we got to talk about the, the music. music the that music was another is reason it, <laughs> it was so funny. The little girl fake out death scene and like that song that played everyone everyone like loves this song apparently like obsessed with the, the crash soundtrack the wonder woman like, soundtrack <laughs> yeah it does kind of sound like that <laughs> it just it was not appropriate it, 
But the, <laughs> all of the all of the serious subject matter, like now I now when I look at the poster, I like yeah, I smile and you like think start giggling, which is which is not. <laughs> it looks like he's singing the theme of the movie. Oh, it's true. Like, I can't, yeah, I can't take this project seriously anymore. No, like not 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 knowing what it was and just like there's such a a meme quality to this. It was vague enough, like before I rewatched it. Like looking at that poster, I was like, "Oh, that's a good poster." And now I'm like, "Oh, cool." <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's such a failure. If like <laughs> anything that reminds Aye. you of it, like makes you smile and laugh at it, <laughs> it's not like a reminder of like, "Oh, that remember that great scene?" Or "Oh, that color palette's all coming back to mm-hmm. me now." Looking at that poster, it's like, nope. <laughs> just, just every bad thing is going rushing back even ignoring oh the wonder woman-esque qualities to many of the songs in the soundtrack even the parts without like the weird vocals it it was just so fucking drony and sleepy <laughs> and it, it it has this weird like almost there's there's a certain quality to the way that this soundtrack sounds that is just so fucking stuck in the mid 2000s. I have only ever mm. heard things that sound like that within like a five year period in the mid 2000s and then never again because I guess everybody decided it sucked. Like the, the, <laughs> this movie, the soundtrack especially, makes it feel so fucking dated. Whereas, you know, Brokeback Mountain, yeah. same year, incredible soundtrack doesn't feel dated in the slightest in fact brokeback mountain feels ahead of its time <laughs> mm. Bro- brokeback mountain feels like like a more modern movie even though it's a period piece whereas crash feels mm. just like so st- perpetually eternally stuck in this <laughs> stupid yeah. 2004 time period of just some shitty oh, yeah. like it's made for tv quality fucking canadian film basically <laughs> It sucks. Yeah, and it's it's like, man, it's not like this was an attempt in the 60s or something. No. You know? like it's, <laughs> it's 2004, we had Lane, American Beauty, fucking <laughs> do the right thing. We've had like loads of films that like talk about these kinds of things already. Everybody forgot. <laughs> it's just that response. Like it... it, it I, I cannot exaggerate enough to the audience like how funny it is to sit down and watch this film in 2023. It's crazy. Like you could say it's like painting my expectations <laughs> too harshly or wrong, but it's like actually, it's actually mad. Like it's got like a 7.7, pretty high rating on IMDb. Like four, nearly half a million people, half a million ratings, and a pretty solid meta score. Then you sit down and watch this like actual parody. You you could watch it like an American Psycho, like and just pretend <laughs> like it's written to intentionally be a parody, and it it kind of works on that level, like a really a really good comedy, an awesome unintentional comedy, but yeah. just mad that like so many big names are attached, and yeah, just the groundswell support it got. I really In every avenue, yeah. critically money, like it's just mad. I really do believe that like this would be a perfect film to parody. <laughs> like why not just just make a movie like this and then just the the implied significance over random dumb shit that's way over dramatic and insincere like that that that's comedy enough it seems like you'd be able to mimic that to like a pretty good degree like i i would love to see a parody of crash 
Uh, Seems fucking uh, awesome, right? I don't even know how you do it because it's already sort of a parody of itself. I know, right? <laughs> like, do you remember that, that final <laughs> shot? That final shot where it's like wrapping up the final one of these spider web stories. And then it just like shows the LA skyline for just a little bit. Like, well, the adventure's done here, guys, isn't it? Let's, let's just cornerly wrap this up. Oh, LA, you're just so nutty crazy and a little bit racist <laughs> whatever yeah we're all racist like, <laughs> but we're here yeah like what? it's it's so empty it's like saying nothing for two hours it really says nothing for two hours i like the second half of this movie was very funny the first half of this was like the most boring fucking shit in the world i was like <laughs> having watched this and um when evil lurks like in quick succession i watched this one mm-hmm. beforehand but that was my frame of reference i was like damn like 40 minutes has passed in when evil lurks and that felt that like at about the same amount of time had passed watching crash for five minutes <laughs> literally watching crash i think i just said out loud i was like the the last five minutes have felt like a fucking hour <laughs> i'm constantly looking back it's because that's that structure never pays off in any way or no change you don't know what you're following anything or nothing builds anything. yeah you're just it's like fucking yeah. changing the channel every fucking five minutes it's like, it's, TikTok, like people... it's like a tiktok movie it's like move on to the next like what are you gonna come back to that and build on it in any meaningful way no the expectation though is that they're they're almost doing that they're doing something like a memento or whatever the way it's talked about makes it sound like that it was doing something with structure rashomon like that that important or whatever um pulp fiction no well yeah yeah because this i guess this was from yeah just a few years removed from these kind of revolutionary uh non-linear narratives and maybe they yeah maybe it was all just whipped up in the hype of that <laughs> groundswell of those types of films um but this one does not age like those that's for sure no nothing really to learn from this movie except i don't know an, an easiest oscar win ever right yeah <laughs> it, it it pisses me it would be less of a piss off for the best picture win if you we looked at the other nominations and we we're like yeah you know it wasn't a very strong year broke back is the only one you need to look at <laughs> that yeah. movie has aged fucking incredibly and is a really great mm-hmm. film and we talked about it on the podcast um yeah. yeah easy answer awesome episode a fucking layup you don't even have to think about it no done right no, so that, that makes it that. annoying who is going to be going to bat for this film over that it's, cr- it's actually crazy mark Kermode. um let's ask him about it <laughs> yeah clearly <laughs> <laughs> but like when you look at him justifying what what like inspired him to tell the story and whatnot right Writer and director Paul Haggis was inspired <laughs> to make the film after being carjacked by two African-American men at a blockbuster video on Wiltshire Boulevard <laughs> whilst driving home from the premiere of The Silence of the Lambs in February 1991. Afterwards, he began thinking more about the impact of race, ethnicity, and class in American society. <laughs> so, oh. Cool. He got woke. <laughs> he didn't really do the best, the best job of like exploring that. No, not at all. I, I I wonder if he just like fantasized in his head like man, these people that robbed me. They were probably having some very meaningful discussions right beforehand. <laughs> yeah, they were probably just, going on a, a fucking few monologue. Hours, I'm sure. <laughs> oh yeah, oh the monologues. That's that's most of what it is. It's these like, ludicrous monologues. Self-important characters. Like yeah, just monologuing. 
in, in, and speaking in ways that no human would ever speak to another human. Never. No. <laughs> just they all super feel fake as and awkward. Yeah. <laughs> Ludacris is terrible at it. And that's his entire character. Every time he's on screen, it's like, let me just monologue for another five minutes here, ultimately leading to nothing, but just being like, I'm going to stereotype other people, but I think it's unfair when it happens to me. Okay, cool. Next scene. I'm going to stereotype other people, but I think it's unfair when it happens to me. Okay, next scene. Exact same shit. You don't say anything new. Why are you Why are you including more screen time of him saying the same fucking thing over and over? <laughs> Build on it. Build on it. Show me something new. You have, like, you have time to explore things. Why are you just repeating yourself? It's so fucking... Oh, it's a, it's an exhausting experience. It's a truly exhausting movie. <laughs> no, but everyone's a hypocrite, man. Now let me just tell you that again. Everyone's a hypocrite, man. Yeah, it's just that, like on repeat. <laughs> and if you watch this movie, and then you're a better person. <laughs> <laughs> if you acknowledge it's like it. in the 2008 Empire poll, it was 460 in the 500 greatest films of all time what? in 2010. Inde the Independent Film and Television Alliance selected Crash as one of the 30 most significant independent films of the last 30 years. <laughs> so it's can like, we take that poll again? Like, does everybody feel that way still? <laughs> can, we, can, we, can we get like a Mark Kermode rewatch? Does he have a Patreon where we can suggest like a, a <laughs> yeah. movie? So it seems like there's no disagreement even with anyone. So everyone, everyone kind of knows what Crash is now. But it's like it's, it's like doesn't it doesn't deserve its it's, it's you know the history is written by the victors thing it just feels like what this is so wrong there's something so deeply wrong about this movie getting the accolades it does because I, I could live with it otherwise it'd be just a funny drama but it is just where it sits because of that and yeah I guess it'll always live in infamy it uh, yeah it uh, it's terrible. <laughs> It's terrible. It aged like shit. Broke back. <laughs> broke back. Should have won. Stop the count. Stop the vote. Yeah. Fuck it. What, what else do we say? And somebody mentioned on the subreddit um, that he like got me too'd kind of, or l let's just say he is a civilly liable racist, but not criminally liable. So he paid uh, money to someone. Who do you mean, Paul Haggis? Yeah, Paul Haggis. The director, but oh. but um, he there are prominent anti Scientologists, as in people who left Scientology, like Leah Remini, uh, who have speculated that this is just part of him leaving Scientology and that it might not be a real thing, even though he was found civilly liable but not criminally liable. So just wanted to mention that, uh, yeah, I'm aware that that exists, but I have no fucking idea where the truth is on that or what to even say about it. Just I'm aware that it's a thing that uh, happens. So Paul Haggis is, is a Scientologist as well. He used to be. An and he was, he was when the release of this movie happened and then left the church. And as has been documented, the Church of Scientology like goes after people that leave the church that might be irrelevant. Mm -hmm. It might be like that that has nothing to do with uh, the rape allegations. It might have something to do with it. We don't know. I don't know. I wasn't there. I have absolutely no clue. But that's the that's the consensus is that 
it could be or it could not be. I don't know. Oh, yeah. There are a few articles from November 2022 about this. Mm-hmm. I'd suggest reading those for more info. That sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really want to watch Magnolia again, but I'm holding out for a 4K release or something that hopefully will happen, right? Get on it, Warner Brothers. Who owns this shit? Yeah, imagine. Did you get the Crash 4K? <laughs> oh, no, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I downloaded it. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure there's a Crash 4K, right? I don't know. Well, uh, 2 out of 10 for that one. It's uh, terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah, yeah. I was I was pleasantly surprised by how it kind of lived up to its expectation of infamy, how, like, sappy and badly written and saccharine and just kind of I don't know. It's it's condescending. <laughs> it it seems like it it's something you'd put on when you're teaching like. 12 year olds about racism you know i don't know if i would <laughs> i don't know I, I, I don't know. even then they would come away with the wrong conclusions yeah i think yeah. they would start like being so more little. racist if they watched that movie yeah yeah i think you're right there's there's really no good reason to ever screen this movie no come to think of it it's, um, it doesn't even so serve many its better purpose examples. yeah there's not a single great shot i remember or line of dialogue or life lesson scene of drama life lesson <laughs> yeah especially with what you're saying it is all about that right well i suppose there are a couple scenes i remember thinking yeah the blocking of that was fine there's some kind of interesting camera work but it's in service of this like just atrocious monologue dialogue that does feel preachy that does feel like you're acting like you're saying something but when you sit down to actually think about these conclusions like wait oh you're really just saying a whole lot of nothing with this yeah big, big fat uh one out of ten yeah damn one out of five yeah <laughs> yeah i thought this was this was hilariously bad yeah nothing mattered and it, it <laughs> reeked of pretentious self-importance and insistence um yeah that it just did not live up to in any meaningful way terrible writing terrible music terrible directing fucking lot of bad acting yeah pretty much on every level it's a uh, absolute disaster it's jesus christ best picture Best picture. Best picture winner. Best Four writing. stars, Roger Ebert. Four stars. That almost annoys... The writing one specifically almost annoys me more just on, like, principle. It's like, come on, why? Hmm. I suppose you could do that with all editing as well. It's like, all of these wins are just so confusing. So, like, how, oh. could, how could you watch these movies and come away with that? that <laughs> I, I What's really funny, I just noticed another terrible editing thing they did a bunch of times in the movie that also makes it feel incredibly dated to 2004 they did that thing where they're mm. like we're gonna slow down the footage even though we didn't film it in a high frame rate so what you're left with is yep. just this like one frame per second like oh dramatic yeah, music yeah. over top like, like i don't know what the fuck was going on where apparently some people thought that that worked for like 10 years or some shit like from the 90s to 2000s or something damn but like even at the time, like even at the time, you kind of looked bad, right? It's kind of yeah, cheesy. That always looks garbage. Yeah, it always looks cheesy. That's terrible editing, and it won. Ugh. That's bad. You could make a compilation of like the bad editing in this movie. <laughs> it's a Bohemian Rhapsody. Well, bad bad lines. 
bad performance. Yeah, it, I was thinking about Bohemian Rhapsody, but this is pro- this is worse than Bohemian Rhapsody. I'd say probably significantly worse as a movie. Yeah, you don't have like <laughs> one central character or like a Rami Malek equivalent performance. It's got yeah, it's not focused enough for that to even contain something of that quality. And I don't even like that movie. Yeah. That would have been a bad Best Picture win if that won. (laughs) That would have been a bad one. Ready for some questions? Yes. Yes, I am. Nice. Let's do some questions then from the Sardonicast community. Head over to the suggestion thread on the subreddit to leave questions for future episodes, just like Mushroom Party 50 do did, who said, if your movie sucks, does that mean you hate yourself? Yes. Right? Yep. Um, but the real one is this one from Matt Smith Ray. <laughs> Adam, you recently mentioned how your own boredom affected your rating for Oppenheimer. I myself have found myself getting bored in some of what are considered the greatest films of all time. And you admit that something like Jean Dillman can be a boring experience despite appreciating it. How do you think people's own personal boredom should affect their appre- appreciation and rating of a film? I would never make a prescription of should for someone else. It's really up for you to decide, but... Uh, Jean Dillman, like the, you know, the boredom is kind of the point of the film and it's like, okay, what what is the intent of the film? Right. Whereas like, um, the boredom in Oppenheimer, I don't believe, (laughs) I don't know if if we can say that that was the point. And again, that's entirely subjective. My second watch of Jean Dillman, I was not bored throughout the entire thing, knowing Mm. what I was getting into the second time. Um, and kind of observing it in uh i guess what i would consider to be like the more intended way to watch the film um being able Mm. to experience it for the second time and knowing what it is i was not bored uh so i wound up loving that movie a lot more despite being bored on the first watch um yeah I, i would say it's up to you to decide how much that weighs into your review but i mean at the end of the day like Boredom is just essentially another way of saying that you're not connecting with what's happening on screen. Um, you don't get bored by <laughs> by movies that you're connecting with. Um, no. Maybe parts of movies that, you know, you're just not connecting with that one part. But um, yeah, I, I mean, that, that does influence my rating. And I can still rate something positively, even if I didn't f- fully connect with it, or I could still you know, rate something lower, even if I do connect with it, there's a lot of different factors going in and it's, uh, you know, part personal thing and part, uh, technical part director's intent part, you know, lots of stuff. Yeah. I feel like specifically the intent is a, a big deal there with the boredom factor where that's definitely not, in my opinion, what Oppenheimer was going for at all. I think it's, for you failed on that mark and that's why it was a criticism for you uh yeah and i might i might be less bored on a second watch with that one too right i feel like i I, even ignoring the specific nature of jean dillman there's plenty of movies where um on a second viewing i'll be like okay now that i kind of know how this is structured i'm less bored because i don't have like false expectations about where it's supposed to go narratively or pacing wise or something. Yeah. Um, or it might be some slow cinema thing. Or, yeah. 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 We always say it, the second watch is often the first watch really. Yeah. That's, that's for why, that that's why for certain slow cinema, like um, 
Nuri Bilge Jalan <laughs> films. Um, mm. That's that's why for things like those, if I'm introducing people to his uh, work, I'm going to give him a big warning like, hey, this is going to be beautiful, but it's like really slow. So you have to prepare yourself mentally for a slow movie. I feel like that helps. Yeah. I feel like knowing the length of something, if it's a long movie, like the worst experience you could have would be thinking you're going into a movie that's 90 minutes and it turns out to be four hours because then you're just thinking like, wait, are they not wrapping (laughs) it up? Like what's going on the whole time? So I do feel like that information does help depending on the type of film. Definitely. Knowing what you're getting into. Um, I'm curious what you think on this one from Dovazar. Folks on Twitter recently lamented the lack of buzz around animated series Scavenger's Reign. Some went as far as to say that adult animation will never break free of the stereotypical, unfunny, cheaply animated sitcoms, Big Mouth, Chicago Party Aunt, etc. Because adult audiences will never shake the assumption that animation is for kids unless it is over overtly vulgar and looks like Family Guy. What do you think it would take for mainstream audiences to accept animation as an equal art form? to prestige tv also thoughts on scavengers reign have you even heard of this um it's only something i've recently discovered it's a you can't say hbo max any was it? it's just max now it's, so it's on max yeah it's like a max original i guess so it'll probably disappear in a few months as well yeah um, tax write-off <laughs> three people it's, ca- it. it's called tax yeah. write-off that's <laughs> the new name of the scavengers tax yeah, yeah. tax uh, yeah, I have not it's got heard like of it. Seven thousand ratings on IMDb. And despite it's me cool. not having heard of it, it is on my watch list. <laughs> so at some point, somebody sent me a link, and I clicked the watch list. I've button. seen, yeah, I've seen a lot of clips from it, and some of these shots from it being shared. And I, I think that it looks really cool mm-hmm. uh, visually. I, I can't speak on the writing, but as far as art direction and it being, it's like a more adult setting. There's there's blood, there's violence. Yeah. Um, it's kind of what we're always talking about as far as adult animation and here's an look- example of it and there it is no one wants to see it well it. it here here's the thing it looks cool i don't know if i don't know if i agree with the premise that you know people decided not to watch it because of those uh stigma against adult animation that could you you could be explaining why it wasn't marketed properly because i think that's the real issue is that nobody's heard of it and nobody's talking about it yeah right nobody's talking about it because it's not being properly marketed so if you want to if you want to explain that away as like oh fucking david zaslav or whoever's making the decisions at max in order to promote it and you know maybe even on their own platform it would help if it was just on the front page because we have other examples of animation for adults that exist that are pretty successful. Uh, Netflix's uh, Love, Death, and Robots is an example. A lot of its computer animations. I think some of its 2D animation as well. It's anthology well, um, kind of, but it's a, it's adult cyberpunk. animation. Cyberpunk. Yeah, Cyberpunk. cyberpunk. But the difference is that Netflix promotes the shit out of those things. When they release it, it's on the front page and you can see that it's a thing that exists. I don't think that Max is... <laughs> promoting it as much if less people know about it they need to work on their marketing i think that's probably the biggest issue um and the more of these things that exist the more we can fight that stigma that stigma doesn't really seem to exist in places like japan um no so yeah 
be the change you want to see and uh, pimp it out and maybe they'll if they do a season two of something then they'll have more faith in it and actually advertise it but right now yeah i think it's just a marketing issue first and foremost yeah i'll probably check out a couple episodes of this because i do think it does look exactly like the kind of thing i want to see in this space but it is yeah disappointing that they probably don't know how to advertise it or or what space it's supposed to fill yeah Um, unfortunately and i'm sure there is a hunger for it but it's not it's not an anime it's not like based on resident evil or something people know some ip that people already believe in so it's it's got a couple challenges that it's trying to overcome um but yeah it's i think it's just an ongoing problem it's like these these streamers these streaming companies they're they're greenlighting like hundreds if not thousands of projects a year <laughs> and what percentage of those like rise to the top it must be less than one percent they forget they're about looking most for those squid games <laughs> the, yeah it's the model is based all around right like the, the those those five successful ones if that and they will hopefully bring in enough subscriptions to justify the other stuff that they can write off. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah, there's something very sad about that because there are going to be a lot of victims when we look back at <laughs> this whole space and this uh, experiment with this model. But We'll see where it goes. Yeah. And speaking of seeing where it goes, Affectionate Duck 882 has this to say. Apologies in advance for leaving a huge downer of a question. For which film, positions, slash departments do you think will be the first to be replaced, at least predominantly, by AI? And which will be the last? Other than that, keep up the great work, gents. Happy to see y'all on my Spotify wrap three years in a row. What are the most expensive things, like visual effects and things like this, they'll want to target, right? Is yeah, like, I think they're starting with like background animation. Yeah, right. like concept art, stuff like that. Uh, yeah, true. Probably stuff like storyboarding. And yeah, if you can just like type prompts into, yeah, I want this guy in the foreground. This is a bit of a, here's, here's a sketch, flash this out into a full. Like, I'm sure that will be stuff that's immediate. I mean, that's already happening now mm-hmm. as far as like concept art being generated using AI. And so that's, I feel like, where it will start. And then you just got to go to like where the most of the movie budgets go into where they're going to want to cut corners the most and it will be probably creative positions like yeah visual effects um what what can we automate from that like particle effects and automated lighting stuff and you know hmm, yeah these big projects are going to want to target i'm curious about music and score because a lot of these a lot of films that come out mm. <laughs> right now Feels like they might as well be auto-generated. They already so, sound it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. When you're saying like, that, oh, about they too. The two characters are with each other, and, they, and then it's just like, oh, you do the high piano sound when the tear comes out. Like, things are already so fucking formulated already that it's like, I I support real artists that are actually trying to say things, not saying that people shouldn't have jobs if they're making bad art. I guess, but like. I don't know what the solution is here. I don't know what the I don't know if there is a solution other than to try and warm people up to the idea of like universal basic income because our jobs don't actually exist for any reason other than for us to have money right now and that would be nice if we moved away from that thought process, right? Mhm. Well, like We're uh stuck in that way just, of thinking. Like a week ago I watched that film uh, The Creator, that new Gareth Edwards movie. Mhm. 
But the whole crux of it is supposed to be this kind of AI issue and these AI people and robots and whatnot. And I was reading the soundtrack to the film was originally supposed to be like AI music. Um, and they they got it working and they were like happy with where it is. And they were like, yeah, like thematic, right? But they scrapped it at a certain point and got Hans Zimmer in to oh. do the score. And, <laughs> and as you were just saying, like, <laughs> it might as well have been an AI generated Zimmer score. That's there's funny. Like yeah. Nothing about it. That's great. Um, that <laughs> made it stand out. But yeah, I think it will be. St- I mean, it's unpredictable. The the like sectors it's been targeting first. Like, I don't think anyone really anticipated it to infiltrate the artistic creative stuff like first. <laughs> That's like where it's going first. Is the audio, the visual, the like. You open Adobe Premiere and it's like, we're working on ways we can just edit your videos for you. Isn't that yeah, cool? Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> I mean, like, here's the thing. If if whatever AI editing takes place is something that you can still, like, manually change and uh, adjust, I think it would be cool if you could train an AI on your own editing style. Because right now, I think what exists is... Like, oh, if you want your video to be like the most most formulated TikTok ever, then you can just content farm your way into making soulless content. It would be interesting if if like you could train an AI on your own editing style in the sense that like, oh, you actually want your style to exist, but you just, you know, there is a formula to it and we don't need, you know, to fucking destroy your wrists doing it. That'd be interesting. Yeah. But then it kind of gets into the, the Quebbleclop conundrum. Right? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like, is it good to automate parts of your work so you can make more of it? Or is the making it the actual expression? I wanted to have this um, conversation with you for a while. I don't know what like your whole, <laughs> what your whole perspective is on Quebbleclop, but he's like, so obviously rage baiting. He's just like, he's, you know, he's fallen off in terms of relevancy. He makes like fucking Minecraft content or whatever. His views going he down. Did. Yeah, I know. But like his views going down and now he's just like, oh, but it's AI. <laughs> and here's the thing. People have such a um like an uninformed and just kind of knee-jerk reaction to what AI even is that he's able mm-hmm. to pretend as if his videos are AI when sure there's AI generated elements to the to the videos, but it's not completely AI generated. Obviously, someone is playing the game, and then he's just using AI software to take an existing playthrough that he's either paying someone else to do or that he's doing himself and then just overlaying just to get clicks. And then the AI is is mimicking that with the face visual and then also mimicking his voice. So I, I what I believe he's doing is just like, oh, he's gotten someone else to just or maybe even himself <laughs> to just do the one pass through of the the game doing a regular playthrough, you know, doing a mm-hmm. regular edit and then just adding AI elements to it. It's not like it's not like the AI is playing the game and like placing blocks and no, like no, reacting no. to things. I don't know. It's kind of weird and funny. Uh we are so far behind where AI could realistically do the things that Quebbleclop is claiming to be doing. <laughs> that people are just kind of getting worked up over nothing for no reason. And he just wants attention and we're all just giving it to him is essentially what's happening. Because <laughs> you had that whole 
It was like that Twitter uh, publicity stunt, I guess you yeah. could call it. Where I'm he was done like trying to trick people. But now it's <laughs> yeah. the model 2.0 actually. You're stupid. <laughs> when yeah, it was pretty, I don't know, it was pretty obvious through the video that it was like a creepy AI version of Quebble, but mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It's like what is he trying to fundraise or just farm engagement anger? It's it's literally own. just about getting attention. <laughs> But it's like so pathetic. Yeah. So so needless. Like, I mean, has he really got nothing else he could do with his time, with his resources? It, it seems like his main like, goal is to get attention, and it has been for a while. <laughs> I guess, yeah, I just can't understand. Well, I guess some people are just fine being branded like a bad guy as long as they're getting eyes, right? Some people, the attention is the end goal and nothing else matters. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I can see it through that lens. It's just like, why? Like, even people who consider themselves Quebble fans, like, are turned off by it. People are... There's Quebble (laughs) fans? It's crazy. (laughs) It sounds crazy, but there are. If you, like, go on the the AI videos and they're like, man, you changed Quebble, man. You used used to play GTA real good. Yeah. Can't even yeah, do that anymore, probably man. some people that watched them when they were like six years old that haven't even touched his content for the last ten years are now just commenting back on it, being like, "I this is not what I remember." <laughs> even though Quebble was kind of uh, Sniper Wolf uh, 1.0 in some ways. Oh yeah, yeah, it would do like the exact same thing she's doing now and getting all the heat for. Oh, just like watch like. A- yeah, do like react videos on like uh, different animated stuff, like superhero fight animations and all this. Stupid it seems stuff. like he's like constantly changing what the fuck his channel is supposed to be, and just trying to continue throwing shit at the wall and hoping something sticks. And this AI thing is just something that stuck for a bit because people rage clicked on it, <laughs> and he got more yeah, attention. So he's it's like, I'll that keep going category, with this. that category of YouTuber where. In the mid 2010s, they got into either the GTA or the Minecraft algorithm yeah. and made like millions of dollars. Um, I said, "Yeah, why can't you just be happy with that? Why you got to? Why you got to do all this stuff now?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, this, it's just cringy. It's, yeah, it's embarrassing. It is. It is cringy. But what are you gonna do? I'm, I'm just. To. I. I am. I'm super interested in the whole AI thing, and we'll see where it goes. Like that. Just over the course of us talking about it on the podcast, it's transformed so much, and this has only been like a year yeah. or two, right? Yeah, and it was like a joke at first, and now it's like people are actually a little bit scared, and mm-hmm. like dissertations are being written with it. They can do five <laughs> fingers on each hand now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm. Yeah, I'm just not sold yet if it's gonna. If it's going to solve or change anything to do with maybe writing of a certain level, like it might improve, like maybe Hollywood writing on like blockbusters, like it might genuinely make it better with some of it. Maybe. (laughs) Um, But I don't know how you could have it fill these kind of more uh, creative roles quite yet. Uh, Everything that I enjoy about movies and every artist that I pay attention to and follow 
it's not going to affect them first. <laughs> They're going to be safe for a while. We're no, not, we're not making way, AI like, Charlie Kaufman movies for a while. If you're we did, saying, we like, did get a Harmony Korean AI, <laughs> but that's about it. Oh, God. <laughs> if, if you're saying like you could plug in, if there's like an algorithm that could scan your entire YouTube channel and go through every single video and figure out a way you cut, a way you edit, a way you present your stuff and mimic it quite well, what's to stop that same algorithm doing that with like a, a David Lynch, just go through his entire filmography and break down his style and then sure. generate new Lynch. I would love to see an AI generated David Lynch movie. <laughs> I think that would be interesting. <laughs> like what is, I, I'm, I'm super interested in what the imperfections are in this technology and what, uh, the, the, the machine learning, I don't know if the word thinks is appropriate, but what, what it thinks something is supposed to look like. So I, I'll subscribe to some of these subreddits like mid journey or whatever. Um, and I'll just see yeah. what other people are creating. I don't really create a lot myself in terms of AI prompts. I find it confusing and just not worth my time. But a lot of other people are mm -hmm. just creating things and they'll, they'll be like, okay, this is, I want, they'll get t 12 different images for the prompt being something like, uh, make a funny meme, but the caption is sad. And so I'm kind of just, I'm fascinated watching over time these AI machine learning things eventually start to create real words and sentences and i find it soup because right. before it was like okay none of these are real letters and they're not in any particular order and ma or making any sense now we're starting to see some and like one of the one of the images was like a newspaper clip or something and the title of the newspaper had s said something about a man like swimming in beans and then the image also had like <laughs> beans in it i'm like okay there's some consistency there mm. i find that interesting um and and also yeah the 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 fucking up nature of it the randomness the the imperfections being visible i find that interesting too i find it funny i like the idea of noticing uh what is wrong <laughs> in like an image or a series of images um, I find it super interesting. I think this is like six months old at this point. Um, have you ever seen the AI generated like Will Smith eating spaghetti video? Yes. Yeah. Like I find <laughs> that super interesting. Yeah. It's terrifying. But thinking about like how a machine interprets the concept of like us eating and doesn't get the through line consistency of like, oh yeah, something needs to be in someone's hand and then go into their mouth and disappear. But it's still figuring things out and just like what its interpretation of it is, is just so obviously wrong for us, but it's interesting. It's interesting in which ways it's obviously wrong for us. It's interesting thinking about what certain aspects that it needs improvement on for a while. It was, you know, the number of fingers on each hand. Um, and seeing it evolve over time, I like. I, I like it. I think it's cool. Um, will there be terrible things that happen because of it? Maybe, probably. I don't know. But I'm just kind of here along for the ride, observing. And uh, you know, you can't fucking do anything about it. <laughs> it's like open source at this point. You can't stop it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, it can't be stopped. It, it, it's too integrated into, especially money now. Yeah, like it's it's already like infiltrated the stock market. Like it's made all these companies accrue all this extra wealth, and there's like this race for the best AI now. So, oh my god, 
<laughs> yeah. But that that just happened <laughs> just in like a weekend. Yeah, every, pretty much. Every like big major tech company has their own AI division now. Fucking Ooh. Twitter just released like one. A, yeah. And apparently and like And it's the, woke. <laughs> of course. <laughs> no, apparently like the a lot of the time AI right now it's it's not actually solving things, it's just referencing the correct answer. And the next major step will be when it's no longer has the need to reference things, but it actually understands the answers to things and can solve problem solve, basically. That's like the <laughs> the next scary jump. Um I don't know. It's interesting. We'll see. This is it's definitely very interesting. And it's especially where it intersects with art and the idea of when when you have something one to one that can trick most people, like the Turing test, basically, basically, but with AI art. Um, so we're not quite there yet because there's there's normally like a that's that's AI generated. Depends on the image. Patina. There's some that look really it's getting really better. real, it's happening and it depends less and on less. the person you are. It depends on how much of this content you're familiar with. I consume enough of a it because it's just in my subreddit yeah. or whatever. I consume enough of it where I'm like, okay, now I see some things where I'm like, that reminds me of the, what you know, if you want to use the word style that I've seen a lot of AI art generated in. But then, because obviously I'm a furry and I see a lot of art that other people actually create, um, mm. you know, there'll be a point in time where I'm like, that looks AI generated, but then I, but then I'm like, okay, but, but it's not. And and this is just their style, so I am kind of being tricked by it already. Mm. There, there's things yeah, that there's things that I have like more. incorrectly attributed in both directions, and it's not frequent. I feel like I'm pretty good at identifying these things, but it already exists in that at that point. Yeah, <laughs> we're already there. Becoming more more hidden. Yeah. yeah, and it is which is really cool. Yeah, that is crazy. And I don't know. I, I think it just makes people feel uneasy, you know, at the the true state of our, our place in the universe. Like the fact that I mean, design something that can, yeah, bring out this unspoken, um, just binding agent of like creativity that isn't supposed to be like a binary. We like to think of it as something that isn't binary, and it's like something more interpretable and vague and spiritual maybe yeah i think i think people are um existentially terrified of anything that kind of reveals that we are not like magic (laughs) and Uh that and that word for sure flawed and that word you know depending on your perspective like really simple you know we're we're just fucking Mm -hmm chemical action reaction centers just responding to stimuli and giving uh, responses based entirely on our um, biological uh, chemistry our like our brains are physical things that exist they're not magic right the chemical reactions happening in your brain the conversation we're having right now it's all it's all just action reaction in the same, like, pe- people people make arguments about the whole concept of AI being like, no, they're just, like, taking what somebody else did and then feeding it back. That's what human beings do. That's what human beings do. It's doing it in a different way. Mm-hmm. It's doing it in, like, a way that is very imperfect right now. And maybe, um, you know, we're tracing it in, in a... 
we're we're tracing it down to something that we can consider to be like less legitimate or like you know there, there's an entire moral conversation we should be having about it and i'm glad it's taking place but it, at the end of the day we're all we're all just feeding we're, we're all just being fed information and regurgitating it in some way you know as long as you're not mm-hmm. like actually plagiarizing then great um make it yourself as in make it something that is true to you um but i mean as as we were saying like the the fucking music in crash is not it's not like like that that's that's something made by a human being but it's also just a regurgitation of everything else you know i didn't even watch the the creator or whatever like you're saying hans zimmer's score sounds like it might as well have been ai generated like i think most yeah. people creating art are just kind of <laughs> making bullshit and not something interesting and just kind of doing what other people have already done anyway. I think that's most art. Um, I obviously gravitate to things that do more than that. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know where to go with this anyway. Yeah. There's, yeah. These things are never normally made in a vacuum. Like it's if, if a human who's never been a part of any culture, who's just been yeah. placed in a empty white room with no influence. Yeah, they're not even going to know where to begin. They're not exactly have anything to build off. And that is like a human thing. And sure, it can be like a criticism um, when it's too overt. Like that, that's something I brought up with, like the Joker or whatever. Where it's like it seems overtly um, kind of referential or building off the bones of something that I prefer, and that's a problem for me. Um, mm-hmm. and that's distracting for oh, me. Oh yeah. But then at the same time, I'll turn Scorsese around. And, yeah, exactly. Whereas I might turn around and watch, I don't know, the original Star Wars and forgive it for just being the Hidden Fortress or whatever. You know, like mm-hmm. I'm sure with every film, you can you can pinpoint like this inspiration comes from comes from here or this book or yeah. this philosophy or whatever. Um, yeah. It's yeah, just it's like just does it justify it, it being its own thing, or are you just rehashing something that already, you know, we any new piece of art the it should serve a purpose by existing and not just being like, oh, you just made this again, <laughs> or you just combined this and this but worse, yeah. you know? Uh huh. Yeah. Crash is just worse Magnolia. <laughs> <laughs> Well, more this one specifically for you that I was curious about from cool. Fat Gods. Adam has talked before about bad anthro character designs in movies. Space Jam 2 comes to mind. But I can't think of any anthro designs he specifically praised from a furry perspective aside from The Lion King. What other films have well-designed anthro characters and what makes them well-designed? Um. Well, I mean, a lot of basically any... The, any character that winds up getting uh, popular with furries is like a well-designed <laughs> uh, anthro character. <laughs> you have the characters from Zootopia. Uh, you have the characters, the redesign of Puss in Boots and like death, you know, like they're, there's, yeah. there's something yeah, yeah. to them where it's not just an uncanny valley of like disgusting, ugly nonsense. Um, there's some things that just that just don't work. Like, I don't know if you've seen Don Bluth's Pebble and the Penguin, but 
Those yeah. penguin, they have beaks and they have teeth underneath their beaks, and it looks terrifying. And Ooh. so, in, on certain frames, you see like the full teeth under their beaks, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, it just does not work. Um, so, you know, there, there's no hard rules for anything. Like, there's instances or that where you can make something work, um, but uh, yeah, at the end of the day, character character design. Depending on what purpose you're grading it as, you can ask questions like, is it a memorable character? Is it a distinct character design? Um, does their uh, facial expression or like size or body language or presence, um, does, does it communicate something about their character in the way that they're designed? Um you know, but when I usually when I say like bad character design from a furry perspective, I just mean like they're ugly as fuck, um, which, <laughs> you know, most movies that have furry characters in it, you can't imagine that that's the goal. Um, you can't, right. you know. So does that mean does that mean you've, you've mentioned to me before that Madagascar is one of those unfuckable movies? They are unfuckable characters. <laughs> But if they if it's a fairy creator movie, then how does it does that not mean they're well designed characters if it's doing that if it's working if it's working in what way for who? Uh, like if it if it creates fairies, right? Or it's like one of the things that can awaken that part of some people's minds. (laughs) I'm just going of what you told me, man. (laughs) What I told you. I thought it was one of those. Yeah, I thought it was like one of those Lion King type movies where it's like... No. Yeah. I don't remember telling you that. <laughs> oh. Maybe maybe, maybe uh, Cat BF said something like that. I remember he liked... Yeah, Madagascar. okay. Um, <laughs> but I... Yeah, no fucking way that, that... This was not one of my furry awakening movies, that's for sure. Madagascar is... <laughs> I think I was like already too far gone by that point anyway. Um, okay, yeah. But I just remember you having a... Yeah, specifically a problem with those characters yeah they're blocky yeah, they're, they're like legos they're, yeah they're, <laughs> they're pretty repulsive looking but yeah and the way they move and everything too like there's so much to a character in terms of like design and animation you know could could be like body language and like the movement like andreas deja you know, Scar is obviously my go-to example, but like, look at look at the fucking mm-hmm. body language of that character. It says so much. Like, there's a there's a there's a livable, breathable character that exists there in that sense. Like, it's something that was created out of fiction, but exists in such a consistent and believable way. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's something yeah, to like that. attach onto in that sense. Um, yeah, it's a combination of just a lot of what human beings, furries included, um, appreciate about like character design in terms of like connecting with characters also has to do with how well you capture the human nature of the performance and their design. Um, mm-hmm. Because otherwise you're just doing fucking John Favreau's Lion King where there is no human character. You you just have lions that happen to be making human type <laughs> sounds with their mouths um, and they're not emoting in any way at any point. Um, but if you capture the yeah. human, you know, the human nature of, of these performances, you know, eyebrows are like a big thing for uh, 
anthro animal animation and you know what is their mouth doing how do they react you know like tons tons that goes into these intricacies and the most talented animators are hyper aware of all of the details that you could possibly include about a performance and a design so I'm not going to pretend to be an expert because I haven't studied personally. I have not studied the 12 principles of animation. So I guess my point here, my points here are all invalid. I can't say anything. So, um, <laughs> yeah, otherwise, uh, interesting. yeah, a lot going yeah, into interesting it. Perspective. No, no one answer, but there's many, mm-hmm. many working parts that are not necessarily, uh, blanket, uh, solutions for every yeah. problem. All right. We did it. Nice. We did it. Uh, I'm going to recommend a Christmas movie anyway. So, Oh, do it. Dang it, yo. Uh, it's a Christmas miracle. It's a Christmas miracle. I'm recommending a movie on Christmas that is a Christmas movie. Um, I've never seen it. Black Christmas 1974. Um, nice. It's apparently Canadian. Uh, it's apparently nice. allegedly maybe I'm making shit up but I was told that it was like considered to be like the first slasher movie so like I get nice. or maybe like popularized I don't know it, it seems to be it seems to have a very important uh, place in the genre in terms of its history that'll be interesting um, hopefully I enjoy it hopefully I find it good I'm also going to watch the two remakes <laughs> which are supposed mm. to be horrendous not so and <laughs> yeah so th- 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 this will be fun i think so if you want to watch the two remakes go for it because that's what i'm going to do but they're all an unexpected trilogy okay. yeah they're all 90 minutes they're not like the longest movies and you know we got a couple weeks before the next recording nice so one. get ready for a black christmas so yeah if you, if you haven't seen black christmases times three watch them <laughs> before the next movie come or so the next episode comes out these podcast episodes come out every two weeks you can listen to them early by going to sardonicast.com signing up for premium it's only two dollars a month you can download the episodes you feel good about yourself you can also go to patreon.com slash sardonicast that's patreon.com slash sardonicast i kind of flubbed the way i said it um you'll get the episodes early there too if you like patreon you can do that um we also got merch link in the description. I've, I've been talking a bunch about, uh, you know, memeing about getting sardonic ass merch for your grandma. Somebody actually fucking oh did it. Oh my God. It happened. It's, I saw this post and I was blown away and I was. It's like great. They a took a Christmas picture cry. with their grandma wearing sardonic ass merch. I've got it. Both by, wearing <laughs> Both. Bofa by Dab Sloth 710. And it's a perfect, perfect, lovely picture. You can see that she is the happiest that she possibly could be from the wonderful energy emanating from the Sardonicast hoodie that she's wearing. Now, that's the real Christmas miracle right there. It, it, it really is. It is the most epic Christmas that could have happened. <laughs> and if you want your Christmas to be epic, which it's, I guess, already Christmas today, <laughs> when you're listening when it's public literally today if you want it to be the most epic just you can look your grandma dead in the eyes and be like yo i'm gonna order us matching sardonic cast hoodies 
and you show her the receipt. <laughs> you say, I'm sorry it's not here today. I'm sorry it's not here today, but you see that it's in shipping. It's going to be shipped at some point. And she'll go, thank you, grandson or granddaughter or grand they them. Thank you so much. Mm. I like that. <laughs> that was beautiful. all right thanks for listening everybody have a um happy unspecified uh religious dominant denomination christmas uh winter time um have a day of some sorts and a happy shrek uh thanks for listening bye-bye